You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our reflection this morning is based on the gospel reading that was just read from Luke chapter 16. And for many of us, it's a familiar story. You've probably heard it before. It's the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And they both die. And Lazarus, the poor man, goes off to heaven. And the rich man goes to Hades for torment. Jesus had a habit of telling stories with an unexpected twist. And this gospel lesson, I think, is a great example of that. You've got the two men. The rich man. The man who's successful. The power broker. Who's surrounded by successful people. And then you have Lazarus. The poor man. And not just poor, but destitute. In rags. With sores with dogs that are comforting him. And that's a that's an interesting little cultural piece right there uh, with the dogs. Uh, for, for Middle Easterners, even still today, dogs are not usually man's best friend. Culturally, in, uh, in the Middle Eastern countries, uh, dogs are, are dirty animals, are, are, are seen as animals that eat garbage and dead things, and you don't want one licking you. So, uh, you know, I love my dog, but uh, I think Jesus is giving us a hint here of how low this man had sunk. That it was dogs who were his comfort. Many people at the time of Christ, and this is probably still true today, believed that material wealth and success was a sign that God had favored you. That you were blessed. And and likewise, poverty, or being down and out, or being homeless, or mentally ill, that if that was your lot, then that was an indicator that God was displeased with you. So imagine how surprising it was when Jesus tells this story and it's the poor man who goes to Abram's bosom. That was completely unexpected. And the rich man to the other place. Now if we're honest, if you stood the rich man next to the poor man while they were both still alive and asked the question, which one would you rather be? I think most of us would have picked the rich man who lived in luxury every day of his life, who wore purple clothes and had sumptuous uh, food on his table with delicacies. I'm pretty sure no one would have picked poor Lazarus with his ripped garments and his oozing sores It's a switch. Jesus brings a reversal. 
One time I got into a conversation about religion with a stranger. Uh, this was uh, many years ago at a Holiday Inn at the swimming pool. And I don't remember why or how we started, we just struck up a conversation and it was friendly. And we uh, were talking about things religious. This was before I was a pastor. I was a student. I think I was a college student. So it was before seminary even. But one thing he said to me, um, I thought was really interesting. He said, doesn't the Bible say to us that the Lord helps those who help themselves? And at that time, I knew enough to be able to say politely, no, <laughs> the Bible doesn't say that. That's Benjamin Franklin. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that God helps those who can't help themselves. Lazarus, if this is a parable, it's kind of debated among scholars of whether this is a parable or Jesus telling a true story of some real people because he doesn't usually give names in parable. But here he does. And whether it's a parable or whether it was a true account, I don't think is, is the point, but I think the meaning of his name helps. The meaning of the name Lazarus is God is my helper or he whom God helps. That was Lazarus. The rich man feared, loved, apparently feared, loved, and trusted in money above all things. But Lazarus, who had no money, who had no success as the world defines it, knew that he needed God in his life. He needed God to be merciful to reach down from heaven and bestow His blessings on Him if He was going to live. And that is faith and it is what made all the difference. The rich man, he was so accustomed to having people obey His orders. He was so accustomed to being indulged that he even thinks he can get Lazarus to wait on him to come from heaven and give him a little bit of water as a relief on his tongue. But during his life on earth, did that rich man reach out to Lazarus? Did he ever? The implication is no. Did he ever bother to help his neighbor when he was the one in need? To lift him up maybe off the steps to give him some scraps of food to help him have uh, some some dignity and to provide for himself and to shoo away the dogs? No. The rich man had his blessings in this life and was deprived in the life to come. There is more to life than what money can buy. There is more to life than worldly successes and trophies and awards and achievements and accomplishments. And those things are okay. It's no sin to possess money. But it is quite sinful to be selfish about it. And a man with abundant wealth like the one in our story who lives sumptuously with delicacies, with every possible luxury and ignores the sick and homeless beggar right on the front step of his home is Jesus' prime example 
of selfishness. But as we know, death is not a respecter of persons. The rich man and the poor man each lived totally different lives, but they had one thing in common. They both died. Their days came to an end. British writer C.S. Lewis uh, wrote once that uh, he came across a tombstone with an epitaph that was, I think, meant to be humorous, but the epitaph said, supposedly, here lies an atheist, all dressed up and no place to go. It was probably meant to be tongue-in-cheek or a little funny, but really it's not a laughing matter. Everyone goes someplace when they die. Recent polling data shows that 70% of Americans still believe in the literal existence of hell. And according to this particular poll, it said that 6% think they're going to go there. Now, I don't know if people were being serious when they filled that out um, or not. But the church has a message to the world, and that message is that It's not about being good. It's not about being successful. It's not about um, worldly acclaim. I'm sure the rich man's friends and family, when he passed away, if they had a funeral, if they had any kind of a a wake in those days, uh, that people were lauding and applauding this man and uh, maybe even saying what a good person he had been. And that's fine, but it apparently didn't help at the end. The last words of Martin Luther were scribble, words that were scribbled on a little piece of paper that he stuffed into his pocket. We don't know why. But after he passed away, his friend uh, found this little piece of paper on which Luther wrote, we are all beggars. This is true. So whatever our lot in life, whatever our station, whatever sorts of worldly goods or blessings we have accrued or not accrued, true blessedness comes from being reconciled to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. We are all the beggars lying on the front steps of the palace in our own filth, pitied even by by dogs, We are beggars in this sense that before God, we are empty-handed. We have nothing to offer Him except our sin, which He takes upon Himself and gives to us the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Unlike the rich man in the story, Jesus Christ takes pity on human beings and His compassion moved Him to take action Not just simply to think nice thoughts about humanity. For God so loved the world that He had nice thoughts. For God so loved the world that He sent His Son to die for the sins of the world. The glorious King of the universe was willing to lower Himself and suffer the humiliation of being stripped naked in public He suffered the fiery torments of God's wrath, not as a penalty for His own sins, for He had none, but for your sins and for my sins and for all people. 
He suffered on the cross for you and He died for you. Jesus Christ is the kind of rich Lord who descends from His sumptuous fare to take upon Himself the poverty of all mankind and makes a place at the table for you and for me. I think that the original hearers of this story were pretty shocked and surprised to hear that the rich man went to Hades and the poor man flew away with the angels. But what a surprise, what a reversal, a heart-wrenching, tear-jerking, hilarious, holy reversal that God's eternal Son hung on a cross so that we poor beggars can fly with the angels, so that we can go to Abram's bosom, so that we sinners can dine at the feast of God forever. According to um, legend or tradition, when during the Revolutionary War in the United States, when the British Army, led by General Cornwallis, surrendered to George Washington in Yorktown in 1781, the British band played a song as the British were surrendering to the colonials. And the name of the song the band played that day is The World Turned Upside Down. And there's lyrics to this song. And just a taste of the lyrics of this song. If ponies rode men, and if grass ate the cows, and the cats should be chased into the holes by the mouse, if summer were spring and the other way round, then all the world would turn upside down. Sin in the world really has twisted and distorted God's good creation bringing death and decay and distortion. But God sent His Son to make it right way up again. Which for some people seems like upside down, but we know it's the right way up again. To the poor and the lame and the sinful and the dying, this reversal is welcome salvation. My friends, we all are beggars before God. But I want you to know that God is generous with His gifts. Amen. In Jesus' name, Amen. And now may the peace of God which passes understanding keep your hearts and minds in true faith unto life everlasting. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to The Word of Hope.